Hey sports fans, welcome to episode 42 of State of My Sports. That's State of MI Sports. We talk about the teams we love and you love in this great state of Michigan. Stay in touch with us on our social media, State of MI Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Also like our Facebook page with the same name, State of MI Sports. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You're alerted when a new episode is out and share us with some friends to help us grow our audience. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch each segment as they get released throughout the week. Episode 42, we'll start by talking a little more about Michigan State's coaching search reaching re- week one, to, or one week, I should say. Here wow. we reach wow. one week. Okay. Easy and Michigan's <laughs> victory over MSU on the court. So if you want to keep talking, Kyle, we can kind of roll right into that. I mean, no, sounds like it's going well <laughs> just, for you. Just kidding. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're killing it all around. We will talk about the move that the Pistons made at the deadline and do a little preview for the Red Wings trade deadline as well, which is Monday, February 24th. And, of course, we'll do some beer grades for you all. I am Sam Waldhart, and with me today we have Ryan Waldhart and Kyle Fossey. We're here to drink some beer. We're ready to talk some sports, and we're going to have a good time doing it. So before we get into our beer intros, I did want to ask how your guys' week were was, or how was your week? No, nope. how, how our were? weeks were. You got it the first time. Did I? I got it. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Nope. We'll just nope. all right, right. Nope. You start us off. Yeah. So yeah, this last week, uh, it was actually a lot different than normal for me because my family, my wife, and three kids all went down to Alabama. Um, my mother-in-law has uh, a brand new cabin down there. It's not brand new cabin, but brand new to the family. And they were going to check it out. And so they, they just went, they made a trip of it, uh, had a terrible time <laughs> down there because <laughs> they, they got down there. They woke up the first day and there was three inches of snow. There was all kinds of rain. I mean, they just, they didn't see the sun the whole time. It was, su- it was just as cold as Grand Rapids pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's like Michigan then. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, but they so they went they went how many miles south to, yeah, to have exactly. the same weather in Michigan. That's that's the tough part. But they I <laughs> mean they a had a good time. They had a good time. <laughs> but but then so that meant that I just was home by myself. So Friday I had a buddy, Matt came my yeah. buddy Matt, he came over from the east side of the state. I haven't seen him in a really long time. It was a lot of fun. My other buddy Donnie, he took the day off of work. I took the day off of work. We just hung out for the first time in years. It was it was just great, and then Sam, you came over. I did. We what went fulling? Yeah, we did some fulling. We played Crash Bandicoot team racing, which oh, was man. a blast. So much. I really fun. enjoyed. I actually already bought it. Did you really? My PlayStation. Oh, so good if you guys want to hang out a little bit and play? <laughs> let me know. Uh, I mean, yeah, Crash <laughs> Bandicoot. That's a that's yeah. a blast from the past. Yeah, that's literally what they say. That's hilarious. Blast from the as past. Soon as they, really? they say that every time. It, yeah, every time it boots up. Oh, I, remember the, I remember that from PS1. <laughs> or I guess it was just game. called PlayStation. Then. It was yeah. just PlayStation. <laughs> they, they weren't ready for the second game. <laughs> no. It's like World War. <laughs> it wasn't World War One until there was a second one. Yeah, right. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Kyle? How was, how was your week? It was good. And weekend. It was good. Yeah, weekend was good. We, uh, we took my two older kids who are... 10 and 5 who we don't get out with very much we took them to like a really fancy dinner um in East Grand Rapids we went to Bodie's Chop House um and yeah it was kind of a like Vince who's 5 I don't know if he's ever been to a place like that before like he, <laughs> did he act like it he he did really <laughs> did well but I feel oh, like man. the first half hour he was like nervous like looking around <laughs> like Am I supposed to be here? Yeah. Like, you know, um, I've been no. there. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy restaurant for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, was I don't there think Christmas I should party. be here. <laughs> this doesn't seem right. Yeah, you're every Christmas, Christmas party yeah. for me. Yeah. So no, it was good. It was really good. We didn't do much Saturday. Just kind of hung around. Yeah, it was a good one. Good. 
Good. I'm glad you guys had a good week. So it is time to introduce our beers of the week. But before we do, I want to remind everyone to stop and do the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe for your game days, date nights, business lunches, or your night out with friends. The Hops gets a high grade from us with Taco Tuesdays, Stein Night on Wednesday nights, and great weekly specials for Mug Club members and more throughout the week. They have great beer, great food, and is the official brewery of State of My Sports in 2020. And if you mention this code King Kyle, you get yes. two dollars off your first beer every single visit that you're there. So it doesn't only work once. So always walk in and say King Kyle in State of My Sports sent me, and you'll get two dollars yeah. off your beer courtesy of State of My Sports and courtesy of Ashley at the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe. That's so awesome. Yeah. Thank you all. So Ryan, if you want to start us out with your beer intro, that'd be great. I have from. Pigeon Hill Brewing Company in Muskegon. I have a salted caramel porter. Salted caramel porter, yeah. And it's a SCP. Is that yeah, salted caramel porter? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's no other information on this. I was looking for something where it has a little description of what's actually in it. And like they always have, you know, the like yeah, the, little, the notes. Yeah. A little it, something about it. Let's talk yeah. about some sort of note. Yeah, nothing like that. So that's all we're getting. Salted caramel porter. I'm already on my second one, so it's it's pretty good. I'm kind of liking it. He's enjoying it. Cool. How about you, Kyle? I have a mitten brewing. It's called Beanball Blonde. Uh, it says coffee ale. Uh, there is a little little guy on here. A refreshing blonde ale infused with coffee, hints of pastry, cocoa, and almond. Um, yeah, so it is. It, it is certainly refreshing, so we'll see how it goes. It. I think it's worth noting with this too. I mean, he he has this in a mug right now, and it's like it truly is blonde. Yeah, it's crazy for, for a, a coffee type yeah. beer. Like it's it's weird to see a lighter color. Yeah. I, I got to try that before we're, we're absolutely. Done. So you I'm may. gonna give it a little taste. So, um, for me, I have from Elk Brewing in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Dankalicious. It's a IPA, and that's pretty much all it says. Um, but this one is courtesy of uh, listener Clayton, actually. Listener gave, gave me this beer. He walked up and he said, here's this. Give it a shot. Oh, really? So, yeah. You so I owe him a beer. It. I'm going to bring him a beer tomorrow. Oh, cool. Next time I see him. Not tomorrow, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are our beers for the day. Again, don't forget to stop into the, the Hops Brewing and give them that little code to get a little discount on your first beer. But we are going to start our first topic off basically talking about uh, MSU's coaching search some of the latest rumors, some of the coaches that seems that have turned them down, and basically talk about some, some uh, you know, a report that came out today um, that kind of changes a perspective on it, but we'll get into that. Um, basically, for to, sorry, I just wanted to throw out a couple of the latest rumors. I'm hearing Brett Bielema, who was at Wisconsin, uh, then he went to Arkansas and is now a defensive assistant for the New York Giants. Um, another option is to stick with Mike Tressel, who was the defensive coordinator last year. That's been talked about. We'll see. I also heard Jim McElwain, who is currently the head coach at Central Michigan. He's kind of been around. He was on Michigan staff for a year. And then he, I want to say he was with Florida for, for a little bit as well. And then another one that I keep hearing is Pat Shermer. Um, he's been an OC in the NFL, head coach for the Browns at one point, and currently the offensive coordinator with the Broncos. You know, I, I kind of looked down this list. I think Brett Bielema is, is your current pipe dream, if you will. But for and, and uh, look, I don't know any anything more than what everybody else is reading. I have a feeling they're just gonna have to stick with Mike Tressel until you know and just keep the interim tag on him and and see what happens, right? 
I mean, if you find if he's a a good coach throughout the year and they do pretty well, yeah, then take the interim tag off him at the end of the year. But I mean, if not, as soon as if you keep an interim tag on this guy and you go into this year just saying, hey, it is what it is. We're gonna get through this year and figure it out from there. You're not gonna do any more damage than than it's already been done, in my opinion. So give this guy the interim tag, let it go the way it is, and then as the as the coaching carousel starts, everyone knows. Michigan State is an option, and now you're at the forefront of of that coaching search when when it's time to. Um, Ryan, I'd be curious what you think about that, and, and, and I, I don't remember what you said last week about you know even sticking with Mike Trestle if that's what they do. We really didn't get into a lot of the candidates, if I remember right. We no, didn't we, talk much about so it. So I feel like it's a good time to do that. I mean, where are you where are you sitting on that? I th- I think exactly what you just said is the most realistic and the best option for Michigan State, and that would be whoever ends up being. The coach in the end should have the interim title on it. Okay. Because I, I mean, really, with the way that D'Antonio left this team, it, it, the day that he resigned, the day before the national signing day, that leaves this team in a complete rut. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what are they supposed to do at that point? It's no, a rut that you're not getting out of, no matter who you hire. At least for the first year, the first yeah. year is going to be rough, no matter what. Yep. So it's completely starting over, and I, I just don't see. I don't see the interest level from other coaches around football. This is not the time to to go get your future head coach. This isn't the, this is the time to get through the year. So nobody's crawling to this job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like and, Antonio said, they would. Yeah, be. <laughs> and so I I mean next year at this time or or at the, you know around bowl season basically when the, when that's the proper time to be looking for a head coach there will be people interested in this yes, job i completely people agree. that are looking for the step up uh from you know the the overachievers in the mac yeah you know no. those, those guys will step up and i just don't think they're going to find what they need at this point if they can actually get Brett Bielema it would be a decent hire i mean that would be that would be an amazing hire i at think at this point at this I, mean, I, I know he's just signed desperate. on to the giants i think so yeah. it's like, I mean, would he really leave them that quick? But I mean, sorry, I'm interrupting. Well, you there, the point but. the point with him is that he's kind of seemed a little bit desperate to get back to college and get back to a head coaching job. Okay. And if that were the case, then in, in Michigan State at this point in February, this I would take him absolutely anytime. Like I would I would overpay for that guy for at least like maybe like a two year contract or something. Yeah. Uh, just because I think he's way better than what you should be finding at this point. No, I don't disagree with you there. Um, Kyle, I was curious if you have any thoughts on, on the candidates that are out there. I don't. I, I think Bielema would be a good, as good as it can be, maybe type of candidate. Yeah. Um, I think if something like that can't work, I wouldn't go after the Mac type of ones either. I think then, I they have the hardest schedule in football, all of football this upcoming year. Um, yeah, right on that interim tag. Yeah, I would w- say. W- yeah, exactly. I feel like. If you hire on, let's say you do hire on a Brett Bielema, they're they're going to have a rough season. It's going to be it's going to be bad. Four to yeah. seven wins max, unless they have something that we aren't aware of, and that very well could be the case. But it's going to be a very tough year, no matter who's coaching. Why bring someone in and make it more difficult? Like make this transition season not on somebody's time. That that's actually a value. That's why I feel like just give Mike Tressel the job. Say hey. <laughs> Just be honest with us. I feel like they're not being honest with us and about a lot of things. We'll get into a little more about that in, in a little bit. But it's like, man, just be up front. Tell us, hey, we're caught off guard here. This is not what we were expecting that we have to do. We're trying to rush it, but we don't want to rush it. So we're just going to do the simple things and then 
take our like do the take the due diligence that it deserves to hire a football coach because that is should be your number one focus as an athletic to pro- program is who is your head football coach. Bottom line, no matter who you are, I mean, if you're in a Power 5 school, it's about who your football coach is yeah. more times than not. I even, mean, even a school like Michigan State where yeah. basketball is the number one sport? Yep. No, it, it's really not. Yeah, that's what people want to think, yeah. but really football is – the that's driver, the, the football is. Well, that's where the money is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, there were some some coaches that, that re- have reportedly declined or taken their name out of the hat. Uh, I'm going to go through a couple and then kind of go on the big one that was kind of a, a big topic. So there was a defensive, 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, um, Pittsburgh's uh, Pat Narduzzi, Colorado's Mel Tucker, and Iowa State's Mac, Matt Cam, Campbell or Campbell. I, don't, I can never I never know how to pronounce him because I know a Campbell – but I know most professional athletes are Campbell, so I'm going to call it, what do I call it, Campbell? Cam- Campbell? One of them. Campbell. Campbell. Matt Campbell. Cammy. Um, declined Cammer. it as way. Well. He was at Iowa State. But really the big one that kind of was was uh, more publicized, if you will, was was Luke Fickle. Um, and, and he came out and said basically he didn't like the culture. And his wife didn't like the culture at Michigan State, which I think is really concerning. Um, so I think he's he's worth kind of digging into and talking a little more about it. Um, look, I'm going to be completely honest. I was prepared to come on here on today when everything was going down on Sunday night, early Monday, just coming in and be like, hey, Luke Fickle is the perfect hire for Michigan State. I was convinced that they were going to get him. I was convinced that he was going to burn Michigan because I think he's a very good recruiter. He has ties to the state of Ohio, which is – packed full of talent. I mean, he's doing a great job at Cincinnati. He's 26-13, and 2-0 and in bowls so far. I mean, he's he's doing a lot of good things at Cincinnati. And the ties to Ohio and, like, knowing how to recruit that, I feel like he would have brought in some high-end recruits that Michigan State usually doesn't get. And he's also a very good football coach. I would have been shaking in my boots at this, obviously not for next season, but moving forward, I think he would have been the perfect hire and to be honest with you, I think if this is done right and D'Antonio's resigning or saying he's going to retire after the bonus and they have, like, let's say after the last game, before the bowl game, hey, this was my last season, thank you, I love you guys, I'm going to take my bonus and walk out the door. Here, I, I feel like Luke Fickle would be the head coach today if that's the way it was handled. And obviously it hasn't been, and now we're sitting here wondering. Um, but, I mean, what do you guys think about the Luke Fickle thing? Like, I, I think him saying that he didn't like the culture is the most telling thing of the athletic program. Well, how could you like the culture after what just happened? Yeah, I mean that—that's the problem. You're not going to find—you're not going to find the up-and-coming coach right now because there's no upside to to signing with Michigan State right now, other than if it was a Michigan State guy who is just loyal to a fault. You're not going to find anybody who's worth who's going to risk their career, you know, once you're on the upside, that's that's your only chance basically to be that guy, yeah. to be a popular hire, to be a, really, I mean, Cincinnati tr- turns him out like crazy. Yeah. So yep. he's in a great spot right now. What What's the incentive for him to go to a, a program that is in ruins right now? And and really be risking the first year of his time there exactly. to just hurt hurt himself. Yeah, he could he could stay there two or three years. Because Something doesn't go his way. Maybe a quarterback gets hurt, and now his reputation is no longer this up and coming you know uh, guy that everybody's trying to get. Yeah, not anymore. Nope. Now he has the reputation of being the guy who faded out in his career and is it, just like an average coach now. I, I think that's why you. I think 
to that end. That's why you slap the interim tag on. Yeah, I was just, and you the, the trestle thing and just yeah. I, and I was just gonna say it's like if he has a decent year. So let's say Luke Fickle. So he's staying at Cincinnati. He has a decent year. Michigan State goes he, in the tank, but with trestle and his interim. Guess what? Luke Fickle's going to get paid more at Michigan State, and then he might take the job Maybe if would the then. timeline yeah. line, lines up or better. better. Or he finds yeah. a quarterback. What if Michigan State finds a quarterback next year, midway through the season, that shows really, really well? Mm-hmm. Then coaches will start yeah. wanting to be involved. Oh, that's, that's true. And I don't know. There's just a lot of, obviously, what is. We're asking so many questions. That's kind of what this is going to be until we get the, the true answers. Um, but that's the point. That's why you do the interim. That makes the most sense yeah. all around. Yeah. And, and honestly, so I was thinking about this today. It's like, so a year from now, you'll be one more year. And I, look, I know the football program is not attached to Nasser. That's not what I'm saying. But the athletic program was, the athletic department was, and there's still a ton of issues going on there. And they're exactly one more year removed from all of that. It's, that it, right there becomes more intriguing and more enticing to the coaches that, that Michigan State does deserves in a lot of ways. You're, yeah, you're pulling away from turmoil. Exactly. You're, yeah, yep. Yep. So, um, so another thing that came out today was uh, Rico Beard. Uh, sources have told him that Mark D'Antonio wanted to coach the upcoming twenty twenty season, retire at the end of it, and pick his replacement. But when he heard a search committee has been created to replace him, he abruptly retired. That came out today. Is it common for a coach to pick his replacement? At Michigan State, yeah, it kind of is. That's mm. kind of the way it's been done. I mean, I, it's a little different in football the last several years, but I know that the football or basketball coaches, that's kind of the way they've always done it. Hockey coaches, it's been, I mean, you've had four coaches in, you know, 40 years. Like, you, this is a new territory for Michigan State as a whole. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'm curious if, if that raises any eyebrows in your guys' opinion. I, I think it clearly shows the perspective that D'Antonio has been working under for a really long time. He thinks, look, I brought this program to another level. I won some Big Ten championships. I got to the Final Four. I did all of these things for this program. He looks at himself as a Tom Izzo, I mean, clearly with this statement, because Tom Izzo absolutely has earned the respect to pick his next replacement. Yes. pick the guy, because he means that much to the program. In D'Antonio's mind, he's maybe not equal, but he should be respected in the same light as an Izzo. So it's an arrogance issue, or, well, I think or is it? Or do you think he uh, he d- does deserve it? Clearly, well, <clears throat> sorry. No, you're good. I I don't know if he deserves it or not. I think he kind of does, but he's being fired or he's being replaced. He was going to be replaced for different reasons. It's because of performance. If you you tell me they win the Big Ten championship this last year and go to the Final Four again, that he would be looking for his replacement and retire next year? There's no way. So he's gonna he's looking f- to retire next year. The real reason he's looking to retire is because this program is getting tough. It's wearing on him. Yeah. So if he was winning, no, there's no way he'd be retiring. And the program knows that. So they're looking for a new coach because why? Because he's doing so well? No, it's because the program is faded. Mm. So I, I think it, it's probably just a combination of they had to look, get this committee out to start making decisions. He got really offended by that because he thinks of himself as a Tom Izzo-esque type of coach and what he means to the program, and then it came to an abrupt end. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, the word that we use, too, is turmoil. So we don't know what inside. You have this huge university with an, an athletic department. There's a lot of 
moving pieces. We don't know where what he's been told in the past as far as yeah. what is going to be made available to him. Or did they tell him that he that they were doing this, getting this search committee going? Because obviously you've had turnover in that department, a ton of turnover. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the problem too with how this whole looking for a coach right now and. Um, I'm not, and I'm not trying to say D'Antonio didn't do something wrong. I think there's a good chance he might have. We don't really know. But um, I think you've got – I think things are going kind of crazy right now. Yeah, like, yeah. It, I, I think when, when it all happened, I think I, I think I was pretty clear on my questions of what is it going on. I thought last week this time that, yeah, D'Antonio is walking out on the program one way or the other. I, In my opinion, I thought it had more to do with – uh, the Blackwell report and like the stuff that was going on there. What this tells me is he got pissed and he said, walk me out backwards, double middle fingers and said, screw you guys. I'm going to take my money and run. The, That's the way it feels now based on this report. The question is, did he have a reason to be pissed? Yes. I No, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Was he was he told this at one point, and now all of a sudden they're reneging on it? I, yeah. I have no idea. Or they never made it clear to him that this is what's going to happen. And be, Well, he, if he found out about this, that means it was being done in secret. Good that, point. That's, that's a really it, good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with Luke Fickle coming out and saying he didn't like the culture, <laughs> that would be a really good reason to not like the culture as, a, the as a coach. First because thing he, I think because he also, Luke Fickle also came out and said he's very close to Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. So is Mark D'Antonio saying the culture there is terrible? It's it's it, like stay away from it. This is what they did to he, me. He was probably well, just. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. Yeah. People were saying pitch my wagon to someone that just burned you. Like, yeah, you know, I Kyle, heard, when you get fired tomorrow and they offer me the job, I'm not going to take it. Well, I appreciate that big time. <laughs> Boy, that is good to know. Actually, yeah. <laughs> when you get fired, but, but, do you know something I don't know? <laughs> Let's talk after. Yeah, this. We'll, <laughs> we'll play. We'll play record. some CTR we'll racing. Stop. Just put music um, in or something. But a lot of people thought people were saying too that Fickle was going to be the one D'Antonio was going to choose next year. Yeah, and it was all already set up, and that's why just like what Ryan said, like when he said culture, that's kind of what I thought of is they. Yeah, why? whether D'Antonio did something wrong or not, it seems like they burned his friend. Why maybe. would they do that? Why would they do something in secret after all that time? Yeah, I don't. And, and I all don't. the all the crap that they've gone through as an athletic department. Why right. would they do that? Now they, is not the time for secrets. No, as an athletic department. No, it, it is, is not. They're. I mean, they're 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 hurting themselves. And you know, I I was listening to sports talk, and you got a board of trustees guy coming on and said, "We don't want a waffler, anyways." And blah, he's like throwing fickle under the bus. It's like. Who are you, dude? Yeah. Like you're just on a board of trustees. Like calm yourself. Like that's, <laughs> that's almost the reason I bring up like chasing somebody from the Mac, like an up and comer from the Mac, because with this kind of a culture, the the name recognition, the the publicity of a Michigan State head coaching job would probably suck somebody like that in. Like they would just see it yeah. as an opportunity. Yeah, right. and why, yeah. And you wouldn't Coming blame anybody. My web yeah, type thing, right? but anybody at this level already, like a Luke Fickle, <laughs> like he's got he's got better things going on. Yeah, so he wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't just jump into. Uh, he knows he has a he has another offer next year. Yeah, he's not going to pick this, this environment. Yeah, and and then I think that that's that's the real the real key to this is it doesn't seem like it's a good environment. In the athletic department at the at Michigan State University, but I mean, time will tell. I mean, look, you can go through all this turmoil and you can still get the right guy. You can still bounce back. I'm not saying this is the end of Michigan State by any means because, look, they they have shown that they can do it. Mark D'Antonio proved that Michigan State can be successful on the football field. They can 
make Michigan their little brother. They can be in the playoff. They can win Big Ten titles. And that's what they deserve. That's what the school deserves. That's what the fans deserve. And until this athletic program realizes it and is ready to put the money towards it, like, I mean, and just get the right guy. That that's basically yeah. where I'm at. Is just be patient. Even if it takes a year, it is or two. not. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. to rush. Like hiring a football coach should not be rushed. And right now, if they rush it, they're going to hire the wrong guy. Yeah, they will. So we'll go from one Michigan State team to another. We're going to talk a little basketball here. We got Michigan. Going to pile. He's going to pile on. <laughs> yeah, that's what most Michigan State fans would think. I'm assuming, um, rightfully so. So. Michigan, Michigan State basketball. We had a, a rivalry game on Saturday. Michigan came up on top. I didn't write the score down because who really cares? It's just about who won the game. Michigan won at home. And we talked about last week kind of like who it's more important to, Michigan or Michigan State. Uh, I l- don't remember where I leaned towards. Michigan. Did I lean towards Michigan? Yep. You and I You and I said Michigan, and then uh, Kyle said Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that the game is over, I kind yeah. of agree with myself. But I want to un- unfold what we what took place there. So I think I think you got to look at it as, as more of a whole than than where it's just this Michigan Michigan State game. So like what it meant to Michigan is is they played a major spoiler in a rival rivalry game in a team that's looking for a Big Ten championship. They were tied at the top. Now all of a sudden they've lost three straight. They're tied for sixth. That is a major step back with tough games ahead. You, so. <coughs> If Michigan State can bounce back, so that's another way that I looked at it. Sorry, I'm kind of scatterbrained here, but mm-hmm, another are. for for Michigan, another way that you can look at it is it could be somewhat of a statement game if Michigan State bounces back and contends for a Big Ten title, goes on the run that we all kind of thought that they were going to go on to get into the tournament. That's what Michigan needs. That is a key win for them to boost their resume to get in the tournament. I'm gonna go back to Michigan State, and if you guys want to jump in and, and give me your thoughts. On either one, just jump right in. But for Michigan State, it hurt. It hurt bad. The like the three losses as a whole is what hurts bad. It's not not necessarily losing to Michigan on the road. That's pretty typical in this type of rivalry. But um, three straight losses in the Big Ten is is really what hurts them for their Big Ten title hopes that they're you know really striving for. They have a lot of key games ahead that they can bounce back from and still be in that talk. But you could also look at it as, you know, several tough games, and who knows, like, if you lose all of them, where is it going to go to? So, it, it, somebody saved me here because I'm just kind of talking in circles. I think it was good for Michigan because they're obviously looking. It, it's a good win, yeah, beating they, a team they, like Michigan State, whether they're unranked or not. It's a good win for Michigan. It is, but I think that's why I said it means more to Michigan State. I don't know that Michigan is playing f- for much right yeah. now. Um, but after three losses, I'm not sure. Yeah, state necessarily. Yeah, is either. it almost looks like they're not playing for what we thought they were. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, I don't. It's the it's the inconsistency. I and I think that's been a thing with the last couple of years with Michigan State. Is I. It was that way with their football team this year to a certain extent. You don't yeah. know what team is going to show up. You yeah. know. Uh, yeah. Um, it wasn't that they played so badly. Um, Michigan. And, I mean, I I called out John Howard. I still am not convinced that he's a good coach. I thought he was a very good coach on Saturday. I thought that the game plan was set well. He out-coached Izzo. Yeah, yeah. in a lot of yeah. ways he did. 
Yep. Yeah. In college basketball, though, home court advantage means so much. I mean, that's if especially you look, in the Big Ten. This yeah. Year, if you look at insane. Vegas and the odds, they lean towards they give a lot of points to the home team in college basketball. It's just the nature of the sport because they give so much energy, they give so much momentum to the home team. That's the reason why when Michigan State blew out Michigan the first time around at Michigan State, we were saying it is exactly what it was expected. They're the more talented team, and they were at home. So let's really see this rivalry when it goes to Michigan. That's That's what what we talked about. That's a good point. That's what I was saying to you earlier this year, or at some point I did, that like it's been a weird season for that. A top five team has been a, a Vegas underdog to an unranked team like four or five times this yeah. year because they were playing at home. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, I remember you saying that. It's been so it, there has been a ton of that this year. I don't But if you'd have told me, I, sorry, I was just pulling it up here. If you'd have told me Winston had 20, Tillman had 17 and Aaron Henry had 11, that sounds I, like I, a victory. <laughs> I would think we'd won that game. Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't they got they, they did get outplayed. They, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the other part of this is Michigan is a different team with livers on the court. He made a massive difference. He really does because he's yeah. another person to control the ball and to make decisions. And when you have your leader out there, somebody who's experienced and who's been proven that they can handle the ball, that they can make the right decisions, that is so much not like I want to get the point across that it's important to the team, but it's it's more important to the role players on that team because they know they don't have to be the guy. They know their role yep. in that. So those shooters don't need to hold on to the ball and make a decision. They have to run around the court and make a shot, and yeah. they can do that. And, and I think Xavier Simpson is probably the one that benefits the most from having a livers in the lineup. He does. Is, he has another player that he can trust to get the ball to to make a good decision. When, when livers isn't on the court, it's basically Xavier Simpson handles the ball, handles the ball, Handles the ball. Handles the ball. Yeah. Right? I mean, you no, basically. No, that's a great have, point. Yeah. That's it, a great it, point. It, it, and then he ends up shooting. Can, yeah. And that's the last thing you want for, yes. for, for Michigan is Xavier Simpson shooting. It's the last shooting. thing. But. It's one of the last. But he did have a good game. Yeah. He had a good game. So I don't want to call him out too much. If but, it was Xavier, who knows? It might have been the, his, his uh, alter ego. Um, you, but we're not going to get into that. You don't. Say, <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something that I could hop on to, like crashing into a light post. Yeah. Or yeah like, you never like, know. What did he call himself? I don't remember. I wish it was. Like yeah, I Jeff to Jackson or something yeah. like that. Jeff Jackson Simpson, though. Like, he used <laughs> yeah, the he same uses... last name. <laughs> I'm the, curious. Does he ever call their name Jeff Jackson Simpson? <laughs> I feel like I haven't looked into it. Cops much. are looking at him like, what an no. idiot. Like, <laughs> I, I, I took the like, same approach. No, I actually know who you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took the same approach as Ann Arbor Police. I just looked the other way and was just <laughs> shaking my head. Yeah, whatever, right. man. Just do it. What, what was it? It was the 80s, 80s. Sons car? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I didn't know we were yes. going to get into that. But no, <laughs> it was the 80s wife's car. Yeah, it was, yeah, the 80s it was registered wife's to car. her, but the son, I guess, like the son drives it. The, or the son drives it, but wasn't there. I don't know. It's really goofy. How does that even happen? That's really insane. weird. I think he stole it. Yeah. I think he, st- he boosted it, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> he must have. <laughs> I, who knows? But, I mean, he had a good game. But I, I really think Livers, benef- like, more or less benefits Simpson, which benefits the team in, in a lot of ways because yep. you have someone that can control the ball and actually shoot the ball and drive to the hoop and do more than the hook shot. All right, so I want to <laughs> I want to throw something out with yeah, this too because the reason um, I think that we both picked Michigan in this matchup to like you know who, who 
what meant more in this game? Like, who did it mean more to, Michigan State or Michigan? We picked Michigan because they need to make the tournament, and that's still the case. I still True. stand by that. Yeah. Michigan yep. State could rattle off some wins here and still win the Big Ten championship. Yeah. And we're looking at the game right now. They're playing against number 22, Illinois. They're up 20. They're dominating them yeah. at yeah. Illinois. Yeah. So this team is capable of more, obviously, than what they've been showing. I don't think it's the worst thing for a team to struggle. We've seen this year after year with Tom Izzo. For a team to struggle to go through something where they were they were ranked number one in the country. Yeah, so so I did want to bring that up before we move. They're the second team since 1960 to be AP number one, week one, and to f- eventually fall out of the top 25. But yeah. I, but I'm not sorry. Mad I had to throw that in. There, I'm not mad about that as a Michigan State fan. I'm really not mad no, about that. I'm not either. Because this is the motivation that a team, a talented team like this, and a healthy team for the most part. A healthy team needs to do something in March. So, so that brings me to kind of where I wanted this to flow into is I, I don't see either of these teams being built on a good run, like a good tournament run here. I think Michigan, that's an easy argument. You, you're going to be a 10 seed at best, right? You're mm-hmm. maybe seven, like somewhere in there. It's going to be a tough road no matter what. But I could see Michigan State getting, let's say, a one to five seed. Obviously not a one, but in that range, and potentially to go on a run. I don't see this team, the way that I see them playing, going on a run. I mean, can you, do you think, so, so you're saying the turmoil might be a good thing for a tournament run? There are two factors. Yes, turmoil is good for these kinds of coaches to create motivation out of it. But the other factor of this is people do not understand how good the Big Ten is in basketball this year. This this conference is incredibly loaded from top to bottom. There are no easy games. Every single week, there's three different ranked teams from the Big Ten, and not just three total, but three changing teams that were previously unranked and then ranked. So these teams just keep beating up on each other, and you get a team like Michigan. In my opinion, if Michigan ends up with a 10 seed, they're going to be a dangerous 10 seed because they, they might have earned a 10 seed over the course of the season, but they have played one of the most difficult schedules that you could you could have as a 10 seed. That's fair. I agree with that. You have in our notes here, is this going to be a short college basketball season for us fans? Yeah, I meant like like a short tournament run. Right. It's kind of the way I... Disagree. I, okay. I, on both. So you think both could I have think so. a decent I think both have that potential. I agree I with you. Yeah, I agree with you too, especially with the, the track record of Izzo. I know he's had some early exits, but... Those are usually teams that are much less talented than this team. And Michigan's run would basically fall on the health of Livers. Isaiah Livers, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But it's there. I think it's there too. And, I, and the you have enough guys. Crazy. You have enough guys that have gone through this before with Michigan. They could really step up and do something. I I really agree with you. I think same with Michigan State. They still runs. have a lot of veterans as well. They like, do. Yeah. yeah. For, for college basketball speak, right? Yeah. Good. Good college basketball speak. I do want to keep the basketball rolling. Whoa, so like that's terrible. Stay on basketball. Okay. The basketball. The basketball rolling. Yeah. yeah. Which is very rare for you to keep the basketball rolling. He doesn't have a choice right now. There's that's no, true. There's no, there's <laughs> this no is football. the only thing that's holding <laughs> yeah. holding this thing together. It's like, hey, you guys want to do a <laughs> you want to do a podcast? Yeah, let's do. Lions, so Mockdraft three point <laughs> sounds good. I mean, I would do a lot. You guys want to do? Yeah, let's, do, let's just do that right now. Scrap <laughs> the rest. Please scrap no. the basketball. No, wait. The rest, we're supposed to talk hockey. Oh, okay. At You're some right. point, we're going to talk hockey, and then you guys can go to sleep. Well, I tried, yeah. And I'll just keep going. But. I will go to sleep. All right, so I want to talk about what the Pistons did. We we previewed what we're 
what was going to happen, what we thought was going to happen, and, and just all of that crap. But basically, the the only move they made, Pistons traded center Andre Drummond to the Cleveland Cavaliers for expiring contracts. John Henson, familiar face, Brandon Knight, and the lesser of the Warriors or Cavs 2023 second-round pick. That last part is so embarrassing. <laughs> it's like the so. lesser of the two. Well, we don't want to give a second round, but we happen to have two, so yeah. you get the garbage. You get the worst of the which, second round, which doesn't matter. More. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, like, so was the return enough for Andre Drummond? I guess, I mean, I have my opinions. I'm curious where you guys are land on this. Well, Ryan, what? you said you were really confused. Yeah, like, I about am confused. The, so, I kind of wanted your opinion first because – to me, this whole thing is, I guess the best word to describe it is indifferent. Okay. I have no idea how to feel about this. Okay. So for, for my opinion, I think last week, I think it was Wednesday, right? Was that when the deadline was? was Wednesday? It doesn't matter. Yeah. When the sure. deadline happened, 2020, current state, yes, that return was enough for Andre Drummond. It, it was enough. It was enough because there aren't the buyers. Like you do not have anybody that wants an overpaid center that's going to make them better that could opt in and kill your cap situation the following year. That's exactly why it was enough. Yes. Uh, I th- we, we were, me and Ryan were talking a little before. Like, yeah, okay, so you have the buyer thing. There wasn't – there's no market. Yes. It was, I think – and I don't know. We didn't really touch on that last week. Maybe we should have more, but – If um, there was a market? Yeah. For, for a guy – I like this move. I, I – I don't. I wish it wasn't the only move they made, but he yep. is huge salary. Yeah. the The heart of this is clearing cap. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know. I, yeah, I, I agree. And and look, I, I think you if you look at it as all right, he's a star. Like he he's a max contract yeah. guy. Yep, Pistons looked at him. Pistons fans looked at him and the Pistons organization as a star. Look, that's not a return that a star gets. No, it's not. But that is the return that a overpaid center <laughs> that has a potential to opt in for what thirty million dollars next year. Yeah, yep. twenty nine. Is it twenty nine? So yeah, that's what he gets because nobody wants him. No, and nobody no, and there's like, no buyers. Exactly. There's, it, yeah. Exactly. And, and you're and you're looking at you know the the true contenders of the NBA. Who wants a center? Yeah, who can fit? Who can afford? Who can afford? Yeah. Okay, that's a center in this. In this, that's the better question because there are teams that need centers. Sure, They're, I mean the Clippers would love to have Andre Drummond. Yeah, they have nothing to give. They want him at five to ten million. That, that's you, a great. That's a great yeah. point. So, so you you got the you got the Cavaliers to make the deal. They had a little bit to give. They didn't give it. But even the <laughs> even even the, the teams that they give the worst even, of the second. Yeah, yes. even even the teams that would. You know, benefit from Andre Drummond. They have nothing to give because they've already sold out for everything else that's on the yes, roster. Yes, agreed, I, absolutely, yes. And that's that's the most confusing thing about this. I understand the deal. I understand shedding the contract. I understand guaranteeing that he cannot buy in next year for your team. What I don't understand is why the Cavaliers were the ones to do this. It, you know, I, and, I don't and understand. I was really confused about it. I, I skimmed an article that written in. Cavalier territory, basically saying like I'm hey, sorry. they're giving, they're basically taking a risk on something and giving up nothing. They're they were going to have the cap yeah. space anyways. It's not hurting them, and they're taking a massive risk. And what they're taking massive risk on is him opting in, 
And then being what good? can you get? No, not necessarily. Well, being good enough to trade at the next deadline. Because I, I truly believe he's going to opt in. I think this was a huge wake-up call for Andre Drummond to be I like, so too. look, yeah. I'm not going to get $29 million on the free agent market next year. I need to take this money while I can, try to prove myself, and then get that next contract. He, I, there, there's nothing he can do right now to make himself a, you know, a free agent that people want going into next year, in my opinion. I can't imagine, yeah, Rook, I can't imagine a scenario where he doesn't opt in. To this deal because yeah. he's not, yeah. This is proven, and, and you're going to get the same thing next year. So a lot of these teams that you have that are at the top of of everything, whether it's the the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers, the those kind of teams, um, next year is going to be the same thing. There, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and yeah, uh, these people are going to be in the same places. Exactly. So there's not going to be a market. So he's going to make himself twenty nine million. And I know he took some shots at the Pistons on his way out the door, but yeah. it's like, this is a business decision, man. And, and you know what he's also going to be able to do? He's going to be able to opt in and still have a chance at a championship because he's going to opt in on a team that's garbage. It's not going to go anywhere, but they're going to be trading him at the deadline as yeah. well. And that that's, I guess, where I would argue you shouldn't have given him up because, yeah, he does opt in, and then what can you do next year? And, and Look, and, and I wrote this as like, yeah, in 2020, this day and age, like right where we're at now, this is, yeah, that's all you could really get for him. I think you go back last year when you should have been selling instead of buying and trying to sneak in the playoffs. That is when you should have traded him, in I, my opinion. You still, he had, his value was much higher. You still have to remember, pe- people forget about this. Going into the last week of the regular season last year, the Pistons were the sixth seed. They were number six with a chance to get up to five. That's a really good point. They were and, better than... Yeah, and then Blake Griffin got hurt, and then they turned into the eight seed because they kept losing every game. And then they, and then Griffin was hurt through the whole playoffs and lost four straight. Nobody gave him credit for the the actual the good season that they had last year. So who would they have played first round if, if they were the six seed? If they were the six seed, they would have played the Raptors, who they swept in the regular season four. No, I know I know the Raptors won the NBA championship, but they matched up decently well against the Raptors compared to the Bucks. They had no chance against the Bucks. I'm not sitting here saying that they should not have traded Drummond last year. I just think as an organization and as an owner, you don't pull the trigger. The first year of a head coach with the second year of Blake Griffin, you don't you don't just pull the plug on something when you're competing for a five or six seed in the playoffs. You cannot do that. And I know they're the eight seed, but that's not where they were the whole year. So, okay. so this year, I understand the timing of this trade. I... I really hate so many things about it. What I don't like about it is I think they should have been completely brutally honest with Drummond up front. Look, we're going to trade you. We're going to trade you for nothing. This is a business decision. This is why we're trading you. They obviously didn't do that because he was very... that's true. He was not happy about it. And I think he's earned it. He has played... He's been an Iron Man for them. He plays through so many games. They've never been that good. They just make the, the eight seed in the playoffs. The reason the Pistons made this trade is, yes, money, but also to guarantee that they get a better draft pick. They need to keep losing games. See, I don't think it's necessarily about the draft pick. It's about the cap space. If you have Andre Drummond on your team for the rest of this year and possibly the first half of next year, that's going to hurt your chances of getting good draft picks. It, I mean, it will. It's going to hurt your chances. Right now, they're, they're like two games away from a third or fourth overall pick as opposed to a nine overall pick. Keep losing, please. That's what yeah. I mean. They I have want to, them keep to keep losing. losing. <clears throat> yeah. So it's important to keep losing right now. That was the biggest part so, of this trade. So, keep losing. So, so you're saying the Pistons 
are smart by getting rid of him because of that, then why are the Cavaliers buying him? Because they're in the exact same situation as the Pistons. That's why I'm confused. I don't know. I don't know what the upside is for the Cavs. If they're looking for a trade, they're in a position right now to compete for a top three. Compete. Compete. Yeah. <laughs> lack of competing for a top three overall pick. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Kevin Love is going to be leaving. I There might be something in that organization where they are just trying to sell tickets and get people in this in the arena right away. Yeah. I'm not really sure. And that's but that's the most confusing part of this. If this same deal would have happened with a second round pick and even worse situation for the Pistons with the Clippers or something, I would have understood the whole thing. The Clippers want to win, yeah. Pistons want to shed the contract, makes sense. But the the fact that the Cavs did this, that's the most confusing part of it. Yeah. No, because he might because he might help him win two two extra games. Okay, so so there was a couple questions I had. Addition by subtraction, I don't think is worth really asking or answering. It's just kind of, yeah, you, you're getting an addition by subtraction by losing more games. I yeah. think that's that's perfectly. They've, they've chosen perfectly. a direction for the for the organization. So yeah. then my yeah. my other question is, is the lack of a true GM holding like the title. Like we have an interim GM, technically yeah at. In the Pistons organization, does that hurt us at the deadline? Like, I, not necessarily in this trade. I don't think. Like, I, I'm not saying he got outsold or like outsmarted by any means. But it's like you had a couple assets there that weren't talked about. That nothing else was done. Is this hurting this organization by having an interim general manager? I, in my opinion, it's yes. I, it, I don't think it's good for anybody because. You have no direction. You have an interim GM that's basically saying, I am the owner's yes man, in my opinion. I want a GM, a basketball guy, a basketball mind, not necessarily just a guy with money making these decisions, looking at, you know, having a five-year plan. I don't think Ed Stefanski has a five-year plan because he doesn't know when he's going to lose the job because he has that interim tag. We need to get rid of that. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, he's not a mover. He's not a shaker. He's not a. He's uh, if if I'm correct, I mean, he basically is supposed to be like a cap guy. Basically, he's a numbers guy more than anything. He's not a basketball guy. He's just a yeah, an accountant. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, that is hurting this organization. You need somebody to review the talent to see to build the team. Yeah, and look, I mean, all these players that could have been traded at this deadline, other than Drummond, you're going to have the opportunity to trade again this time next year. So by this time next year, I need. I personally want to see a true general manager that has a vision for basketball purposes to figure this out. I think Ed Stefanski's done a great. I think the Pistons are going to have the second most cap space in the, in the league going into next year. That's great. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a basketball mind making the correct signings, what are you going to do with that money? Yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to sign well, another Ben Gordon? <laughs> like what? What are you going to do here? Like, well, it, that's the thing. Now the math is done. Yes, the math is done. What are you going to do with You're that? You're going to have all this cap space. Yeah. Now you need players. Okay, so yeah. it's worth bringing up the Ben Gordon, the Charlie Villanueva, Villanueva, all those signings. A lot of that was trying to hold on to something that wasn't there. Allen Iverson, those moves. Oh, it's a terrible. Yeah. Oh, just terrible. But with this move, it is a clear sign for the organization. They're moving on. They're rebuilding. They are okay with losing games right now. And so that that was the the most important part. I of did the like trade that deadline. Part of it. Yeah, yep. yeah. I hate. I, I I'm a big Drummond fan. I'm probably way more of a Drummond fan than I should be. I think he's going to help whoever he ends up with after the Cavs. But this was the right move for the organization. They they've been stuck in this limbo for way too long. And and maybe 
I don't know, maybe five years down the road when we found this superstar player, we can go sign Andre Drummond to a one-year deal and go win an NBA championship. There you go. That'd be great. I love that. You know what I mean? But it's it's not the right move to keep him right now. So yeah, no, I and I, and I, I think like don't get me wrong. I, I know you said about the he was mad because he didn't know if he was gonna be traded. In my opinion, I, I feel like he should have known that the writing was on the wall that he was on the trade block. He was going to get moved. I think what he's really pissed off about is he didn't get traded to a contender. In, in my opinion. And that's where it's like, wait, he's just as confused as us. It's like, I'm going from the Pistons to Cleveland. Cleveland's actually worse than the Pistons yeah. currently right now. Yep. So why am I moving there? And I feel like that's where kind of he's more bitter and bent out of shape and coming out against the, the organization. And it, that, to me, tells me it's the lack of buyers. I mean, it, so I did a little Vegas search here. You only have 11 teams in all of the NBA that have better than 100 to 1 odds to win the championship. <laughs> There's only 11 teams, and I will use that stat later on. So if you're watching, watch the Red Wing talk because I'm going to use it then. Nice. And if you're listening, just oh, be ready because I'm going to use it again in that. But it's the lack of buyers. You have a problem in the NBA that you you have so many, like really, you have really three teams, right, that could truly win the championship. Yep, and every year it's like that. Yeah. And, I mean, you have a couple missing with the Warriors with all their injuries. They would jump right back into it once they're all healthy probably. But, I mean, you have the Lakers, Bucks, I, I would say I would say five teams. You might have two two teams in the so East. So do you think the Rockets could? I think the Rockets could. Do you think the Nuggets could? No. No, I'm not counting the Nuggets. I think it's in the Celtics? West. In the West, you have no. the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Rockets. In the East, you have the Bucks and the Celtics. Celtics. That's, okay. what, I, that's what I'm thinking. All right. But still, there's there, – it's so difficult to overcome those top teams because basketball is such an individual sport. It's a, it's a talent-driven sport. Yeah, so you get two of the top players in the NBA, and your team is going to have a chance. Two. That's all it takes. Oh, and he wasn't going to be a two. No. Yes, exactly. Drum, Drummond is not a two. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and we still have yet to find the one. And don't tell me Blake Griffin's a one because no, he's not. No, I would never tell you that. Yeah, Blake Griffin's not a two. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really where this whole organization went to crap was when they traded for Blake Griffin. It was exciting. Yeah, you get a quote-unquote superstar. That is when the problems truly started. You could be two and a half years ahead of the game if you would have decided, hey, eight seed isn't good enough. Let's just sell, sell, sell instead of buy and try to sneak into the playoffs. But that's a... Yeah, you could use that logic on a lot of organizations. Yeah. Yep. But, um, yeah, so well, that was our Pistons talk. Great Sweet. transition. Into some Red Wings talk, which I'm not excited about. I don't know if you guys know this. I've been texting you guys about this all day, about Ooh, the Red Wings talk, and I've gotten zero text back. So before, I feel like before today, yeah. This is going to be <laughs> yeah. a very interesting segment because thought, it's going to be me talking. Yeah, I thought if we ignored it, then it would just kind of go away. <laughs> go away those. Right? <laughs> me and Ryan tried to vote yeah. <laughs> five minutes ago <laughs> to say we could go home. But yeah. yeah, I said no. That's a joke. We love the Red Wings. All right, so we do want to talk some Red Wings. we got the trade deadline coming up. I'm going to be gone next week, so next week would usually be where we do the trade deadline primer. But Texas, right? Yeah, I'll be in Texas, All and right. we'll see if we come out with an episode. There, allegedly, it's going to happen. Oh, we're having an episode. <laughs> Ryan's convinced it's going to happen. We're going to have the worst episode, and I'm the looking forward to best. it. <laughs> the worst best. The worst best. The worst of the best. State of my sports. Perfect. All right, so... I've had some notes on this for, for a few weeks that I've been holding off on. Eisman had an extended interview um, on Fox Sports Detroit, and he kind of he just mentioned a few things. 
that that brought to light like just what he's thinking, which is important, obviously, because he's our general manager. So a couple names he brought up for the nucleus was Larkin, Mantha, Heronic. I thought that was important because he left, you know, Athanasio off. A couple other names. Don't want to get into it. I'm just going to kind of list off here so we can move along. He also mentioned that we've had, back then it was like over 180 games, games man's missed to, to injury. Now we're at plus 210. So he made, it, he, he made it sound like it's tough to evaluate the coaching staff when you're missing that many players to injury. So 210 games yeah, so what because of injury. Wow. Throughout the team. Man who, games. Who, yeah. yeah. So who are those guys? Uh, who are the Green's key missed a lot. Daly's missed a lot. Mantha's missed a ton. Okay, so Mantha, Green, Daly? Yep. Uh, I mean, really, you've missed... I mean, there's been a lot of injuries. Uh, DeKaiser is another one that's DeKaiser. been out basically all year. Um, I mean, it, you name them. They've been out at some point. <laughs> it seems another. like a big number. Yeah, yeah wow. 210. I, I want to say it's like sec, around second in the league in okay. like total. They're, they're kind of going back and forth with Boston. I would assume the Red Wings are going to pass them eventually. We'll get in, like, doesn't matter. But So um, so just remember this, because this is one of the things I want to talk about later. I'll let you keep going right now, but I'll have more questions about this later on. Okay, all right. So still going over the, kind of the the Eisman thoughts and his and what, what he talked about. Basically, he said the difference to when I – so he's referencing when he took over Tampa Bay. Differences to when he took over at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had the number one and number two overall picks in the system with Stamkos and Hedman already. The earliest the Wings have picked is sixth over the last however many years. Like, that's their highest draft draft pick. We don't have our Stamkos and Hedman yet. Stamkos is a, a very good scorer, one of the best players in the, in the league. Hedman, solid defenseman, one of the best defensemen in the league. Can I ask a question about He that? does not have those yet in this organization. So he says we don't have them yet. Is that offensive to the players that we have? He doesn't care. And that's fine. I, I respect that. <laughs> yeah, I think he's sending the, the right it, signal. It's, it's sending a message saying, look, it takes draft picks to sure, be successful. Yeah. Red Wings have simply not had the draft picks. He's, what he's doing is he's not throwing Kent Holland under the bus necessarily. Be like, hey, you could have this guy, you could have that guy. It's been dr- bad drafting. It's We haven't had the high-end draft picks in this organization because 25 years of, of success, basically. Okay. I guess, sorry, I read it more like Mantha, Heronic. They're no Stamkos. They're no. That's, that's the way I read it, too. And they're not. Yeah. They're not. Right. Where, where they're at now, they're they're far from that. I mean, Stamkos is much better than Mantha will probably ever be, but Mantha also has the potential to be a 40 goal scorer. So sure. he's not a organizational guy that's going to absolutely lead you to a Stanley Cup or, but, but or run in the playoffs. But he's part but he's of the a solution. Piece of it. He's yeah. a very strong piece. And and I think that's what he what he meant by the nucleus of Larkin, Mantha, Hronik. You got Larkin, he's your playmaking two way forward. You got Mantha, your power forward that can score from anywhere on the ice. You got Hronik who, you know, he's he can be a shutdown defenseman. He can be the first pass defenseman. He can be a offensive defenseman. He's all of those things that, that can, you know, not necessarily win a Norris Trophy, but be a key piece to a championship team. Um, one thing he he brought up, kind of looking into next year, is is just to continue to develop. You know, the younger guys. He he mentioned Zadina. He mentioned Heronic, who's getting their first sniff in the NHL for like significant time. He also brought up Gustav Lindstrom, who's actually been playing uh, since these statements were made. He he brought up the fact that Lindstrom's the guy that that can be called up and it not affect his contract status, which is important mm. 
I don't want to bore you guys, but with, with the expansion draft, he can be called up. He's going to be exposed either way. If you bring up player X, Y, and Z that's younger and gets called up, gets over nine games, then he becomes exposed to the expansion draft, which is coming at the end of the year for Seattle. So so Lindstrom is not exposed to the, to the draft he's right now? He's automatically exposed because he's a little bit older, and I, I believe he, it's because he came uh, from overseas. He's already okay. exposed. Yes, okay. he's going so to be exposed no matter what, Got it. basically. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a reason to not bring up the younger guys. Yes, that's a reason to bring him up over, over Smart. you know, uh, Morty Sider or a couple other defensemen that you have coming up. He tra- already traded another name that the young guys. Yes. Yeah. Younger, younger defenseman that that could be <clears throat> so a he long term solution. Yeah. Not so saying Lidstrom's not a long term solution, but he plays an important role in protecting those guys. Exactly. And which is where Eisenman's kind of working right now is he's trying not to expose guys and have to protect them and expose other guys basically. So it, it gets really a, a lot bigger than. Any of our listeners care about, but I want to talk about it. But <laughs> I'm not going to get too far into it because I don't want to put everybody to sleep. Unless you listen at night, this is the perfect time to just set the alarm and yep. doze off. And, and then start listening, listening yeah. So, I, um, sorry, I thought that was actually good. I didn't realize Yeah, me that. too. I'm learning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some, so in my opinion, some goals to the deadline. So we're moving away from Eisenman, talking about my, my opinion, our opinions about what the Red Wings need to do. I think they need to acquire more draft picks and or prospects. I think you're going to get more late, mid mid to late round draft picks with what we have. You're not going to get high-end draft picks. You're not going to get high-end prospects by any means unless Eisenman has some voodoo up his sleeve. I mean, who knows? I think you can't be passive because you have to basically, you got to do what you got to do here. You have to bring in something. You have to get rid of these guys with expiring contracts. I'll name them off here shortly. And for the long term of the organization, you have to remain patient. Don't try to go all in. It's so here. hard. It's yes, so hard. <laughs> it is hard, especially as Red Wing fans when you have the 25 years of making yeah. the playoffs. It's like it's hard, but being patient is exactly what this organization needs. It's harder with them than it is with the Lions, the Tigers, the because they've been so good. They've earned yeah. it in, in a lot of ways. They've earned to yeah. not have to be patient, but at the same time, is you're in a day and age with the NHL is. It's about patience. It's about building through the draft. That is exactly what this organization needs to do. Yeah. It's, but it's not what we're used to. We're used to just going out and buying this guy, buying that guy. It yeah, the is, league changed. Those days are yeah, long over. The league changed, and the, yes. and the Red Wings have taken a little bit of time to catch up. But. And it's different from a lot of other sports. where you have, Like the NBA, most of your titles are won through trading and free agency. Yeah. Yep. This doesn't. This is not. It's about that being way. an attractive place to come as as a free agent. Yep. in a lot of ways, the big that's, market. That's yeah. why your two best teams are in L.A. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Milwaukee's locking out on through the draft, but mm-hmm. just give it a couple of years, and they're going to be. I mean, oh, he's going to go. Yeah, he's going to yeah. go somewhere else more attractive. So, a um, little different in the NHL. Um, so, so, so there are some potential trade candidates that I just wanted to name off here. Um, to start. You got Mike Green, Trevor Daly. Jimmy Howard and Alex Biega, they're all unrestricted free agents. Biega. Um, uh, yeah. Biega. <laughs> I mean, basically cross Jimmy Howard off the list. He hasn't won since October. He's absolutely terrible. Wait, is that a true stat? I, I want to say it is. Oh I mean, I would gosh. love for you guys to look that up. Is that real? Make sure that's real. Oh, that's terrible. At least a couple weeks ago it was real. I don't <sighs> think he's won since then. So um, I hope that's true. Yeah, so those are the unrestricted free agents who are the kind of the first names that you kind of circle when you're talking about a trade deadline. But 
when you're in rebuild, when you're in the position that the Red Wings are in, you can also look at some restricted free agents. For the people that don't understand that, restricted free agents, basically you have a right to match a contract that anybody else offers if you don't reach a settlement before then. You got Andreas Athanasiu, Adam Ernie, who Eisenman traded for, Robbie Fadry, Fabry, who Eisenman traded for, Brendan Perlini, who Eisenman traded for, and Madison Bowie. Uh, they're also all they're all restricted free agents, so you have the right to re-sign them if you feel like you want to, and you reach a deal. All of that goofy stuff. It is a real stat, right? <laughs> 10, October twenty nine. Oh yeah. my gosh! Oh my! October gosh. is the first month of the NHL season. Think he about hasn't it that won way. Since the, oh my. What is he like? Two and twenty? Uh, yeah, so he's, he's only got two wins. So he's his stock is pretty high right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, basically, I should cross him off the list. I just put him on there because he's yeah, unrestricted free agent. Yeah, yeah I don't think. Bad. What are they? The AHL now? The IHL? What, what do they say for <laughs> AHL, the yeah. AHL? Yeah. So, I don't think I don't think he could play in the AHL right now. <laughs> it's bad. No. It's really bad. <laughs> All right, but those Wait, are the potential trades. Well, candidates. so I have a, I have a I have a question about Fabry. Okay, because uh, Robbie Fabry was the guy that really started performing as soon as he got traded to the Red Wings, right? Like yeah. he, he actually put yep. up some has he been has he continued that? It hasn't been as hot of a start as what he had. Is he somebody to build on in the future? And, and that is the question. So do you want me to read what I put about him for now? Well I, I think he's one of the guys to actually focus on in this because you, you already brought up the core guys. The nucleus of it it's Larkin, Mantha and Heronic, right? Yeah. So with Eisenman coming out with those three guys, is, is he saying that those guys are not on the trade block? Like, th- those guys are off limits at that point? I don't necessarily think that. I, I truly believe that Eisenman's going into this like anybody's available. Yeah. I, I think I for could the, for see the right him, price. Yeah, I could see him trading Larkin. I could see him trading Amantha. Um, I could see him basically trading anybody at this point that, That's that how he, he hasn't drafted. That's, that is exactly yeah. how he is. Um, so, so my thoughts on, on Robbie Fabry, he's a very interesting player because, you know, most Red Wings fans would say, look, he, he's, he, we need to keep him. He, he's exactly what we need in this organization. He's, he's a, a building block, basically. So, look, I, I think he's a great find. I, I truly do. I think I, he's, he's perfect for this organization, where they're at, if he wants to be here. He's a restricted free agent, so... That means he has the choice that he could leave if he wants to, but the Red Wings could match a salary, basically. So so let's say the Oilers wake up one day and say, all right, we're going to give them $8 million. Well, the Red Wings, all right, you have to give them $8 million or they get them, basically. Right, exactly. You have the, the last option is what a restricted free agent is. Look, so the way I look at it is, yeah, he could be a building block to the Red Wings, but I don't see the Red Wings contending in the next two to three years yet either. So that's where I look at this. It's like so, and and I wrote this out, and I'm gonna no, try. Which, I'm gonna try my best not to read it. What you're saying is is makes complete sense. I'll let you keep so, going. So so basically, Eisenman traded Jacob De La Rose for Robbie Fabry. If you can trade, like basically, so you turn Jacob De La Rose into Robbie Fabry. If you can turn Robbie Fabry into, let's say, I mean, he's probably one of the best players on our roster right now. If you can turn him into a first or second round pick. Or like just anything. That means a that's De La Rose. That's basically turning Jacob De La Rose into a first or second round pick. Yes, and that in my oh. head is like do it now, because I don't see him as the true nu- a, a nucleus. And that that's a good point. Like the way that you said, all right, he wasn't a part of the nucleus. Does that mean he's not? Or he's on the trade trade block. 
Right. Maybe. Is I, he untouchable? Yeah. I I don't think he's un- untouchable. So I, I think it's worth also bringing up, we've talked about this in the past with some of the Tigers guys. I, I remember it because I, I think about baseball quite a bit. But just because a guy's on the trade block does not mean he's not important to the organization or that you don't like him as a player. Really good point. It's, that doesn't the two are not mutually exclusive. Yes, so you, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the timing is so mm-hmm. important. So if you get a guy like again, coming into my head, Matthew Boyd, you know, had a great season. Yeah. Over you know, exceeded expectations. I'll bring it back to hockey, but Fabry, if he is having a great season and, and doing everything more than what you expected, are they one year away from competing? If the answer is no, then you should be looking at what kind of value you can get out of this guy who is exceeding expectations. Yep. I, I think you're I looking agree. at everybody's value to a yeah. certain extent. Because it, they're so far away. They and are, yes. So yeah. one of the things I wanted to bring up, too, in this is uh, I had a stat on here earlier, but I think the second to last, the second to worst team in the NHL right now. New Jersey? New Jersey Devils, yeah. I th- I believe, if I'm remembering right, has like 43 points on the season. Yep. The Red Wings have like 32. Yeah. They, they have room to win. They, <laughs> That's what's exciting they about where we're at right now. They are terrible. Let's do it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> they're so bad. I mean, like when I was looking at those numbers, I couldn't even believe it because they are so much worse than the second worst team in the NHL. And then the third worst is something like 50 points. Yeah. So it's not even close. They're terrible. Yep. So... You mentioned the stat with all the the man, man games lost. Man games lost, yeah, yeah, due to injuries. If if they were at zero and they had all the man games played in this, are they a team that's any good at all? No, no, they're still not. That, well, who did you say is number two? New Jersey. No, uh, Boston. Oh yeah, Boston. Aren't they the Who's, best team? Yeah, in they're the one, <laughs> yeah, they're the best. They're the best team in the NHL right yeah. now. Yeah, that, no, that's a great point. It, no, they're they're far from that. They so, are so they need talent. That. It's not yeah, like they point. they're one really piece away. Point. It's not like they're one piece away with with a, a core group of guys. Like even if everybody was healthy, they're not one guy away. Yeah, they need to build this thing from the ground up. No, I, I completely agree. That's so good. basically, so I I named a, b- a bunch of trade candidates. I personally don't see the Red Wings as like being the any successful team's like number one choice. Like the Red Wings will benefit when. Team X, Y, and Z misses out on their first choice. And then you can be like, well, we have Mike Green sitting here. We have Trevor Daly sitting here. You want them? I mean, they're a lot cheaper. They're almost as good, and they could help and stuff like that. So that that's where I feel like the Red Wings are really going to capitalize if they can. Um, so I did want to bring up a, a, a couple names that I, I truly see leaving. I think Green will be moved. I think Trevor Daly will be moved. Um, so I want to just kind of like speculate where they go. And, like, why? So, Mike Green, he's a veteran defenseman. He can help out on a successful, like, PP2. Like, he's going to be his – he's a power play guy, offensive forward type guy. What? You just said PP2. I looked at Ryan and said, what's PP2? And he he took a sip of his beer, shrugged his shoulders. I I think it's it's a Star Wars. I think it's a Star Wars reference. Oh, like that little ball that rolls around? Yeah, it's the rolly guy. Okay. He's orange. I like him. Good color he's talking about. All right. He can bring a a veteran presence. He can. (laughs) That's him? He holds some sort of key. I'm talking to you, camera. I'm just talking to you. Nobody else is listening here. Um... He can bring a veteran presence to a team that you know has a a, a young core that needs that type of guy. Uh, he he can definitely bring that. Trevor Daly, 
doesn't have the offensive upside as Mike Green, but he can eat up 16 or so minutes in a game. He makes a solid first pass, a very good skater, and he has a ton of playoff experience. He's won a couple cups, I think, with Chicago. So um, I don't think either will bring like anything they get excited about. But as soon as you start bringing in, you know, a couple second rounds, a couple third rounds, yeah, that's when you start up. turning yeah. in, turning them into first rounds, all of that kind of stuff. So a um, couple other names, Anthony C. He's a full of talent guy. Um, struggles defensively. Everybody knows that. You hate, you hate him, don't you? I, I've never liked him. You do. But I, I want him to do good, Early in too. the podcast, oh, he's yeah. not liked him. Guy. I haven't liked him for a long time. Like, when Eisenman came Trav on, about when that, Eisenman yeah. came on, I called into his show, and I was like, first first thing you got to do is choose between Mantha and Athanasiu, and my choice is move on from Athanasiu. That you was yelled my, at us for that. I remember I think that. I did. Yeah. I probably did. You called into the show. You really got through I it? really called in. And, and that's what you told Eisenman? No, I wasn't talking directly to Eisenman. Oh, okay. Yes, you were. I talked to Sean Belegian in the morning, and then I called to Big Drew and Jim later on, and I talked to them. And gotcha. Everybody knows me as... On the air? Yeah, yeah no, I, I, hear, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you in there. <laughs> I, I hear you like uh, Sam uh, on Facebook said <laughs> yeah. this. They're like, yeah. Sam again Rapids again. Yeah. What yeah. is it now, Sam? <laughs> I have been called my buddy Sam a few times. Thank oh, you, Drew. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's yeah, good. So. Yeah. And then I actually I texted in on on uh, Sean's show, and then <laughs> I, just, I, I think we were talking football or something, and and I mentioned something football, and she goes, oh, yeah, Sam, he's a hockey guy. He likes hockey. And oh, really? So Are you he, kidding me? They knew Sam and GR was a hockey guy. He's, they know me somehow. I don't know why. Probably because I text them more than their wives. But Sam again. Yeah, oh, this guy. <laughs> All right, so so back to Athens. All of his CU, I, like, He struggles defensively on a team that, frankly, s- struggles defensively. So you're going to get exposed when you're on one of the worst defensive teams and you're one of the worst defensive players. But... When you're the worst team. He scored 30 goals last year. The worst. He scored 30 goals last year, and that is hard to come by in the NHL. And I feel like there will be an organization that looks at that and be like, look, we can fix, we can deal with the lack of defensive Uh, qualities if he's going to put up numbers for us. Put him on a line with Connor McDavid or put him like in that type of system in, in Edmonton, and he will flourish. And I, I truly feel, and, I, and I'm not throwing Jeff Blaschel under the bus, saying that his system's wrong or anything like that. It just exposes a guy like Athanasiu with his struggles at, at the defensive side of the game. Look, scoring 30 goals in the NHL is no fluke. You have talent. You have upside. Eisman needs to use that to his advantage and get something for him. Look, he's a he's a restricted free agent. There's been turmoil with him and the organization from day one, basically. He sat out a little bit last year. Everybody knows that. And I don't know if it's a Blaschel thing. You guys might not know it, but hockey fans know it. Um, Why did he sit out? Uh, contract stuff. So, like negotiation stuff. Yeah, or? yeah. And he was upset about it. Yeah, that was all with Ken Holland though, and then Jeff Blaschel is, is the coach. There was there's rumors that he struggles with Blaschel. Blaschel struggles with him. I love when he's like Blaschel is the coach. Blaschel. Like, like we don't know that. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's explain this for all you. So noobs. Jeff Blaschel, he's the coach of this <laughs> hockey team. And and Steve Eiserman, he's I a former player. That. I should explain all of that. You're Steve Eiserman right. at one point played for <laughs> the Red Wings. <laughs> Super successful. Actually, we're already way actually, past. The Pretty time good that I thought we were going to go here. <laughs> I think that's more our fault than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Wait, hold on. So you have the odds table in here that I'm looking at in the notes. Yeah. Do you, you want to go to that next? 
I didn't, but I will. Wait, what yeah, were you going to do? I want to bring up. It's next in your notes. Who I are the buyers? I, I brought up more. I added more names that just came of to mind. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. We've been so good. To, never mind. No, okay. Yeah, continue. Just let me finish, okay? <laughs> Jeez. How many more names do you have? Two. Seven. <laughs> All right, go through your I seven, could go seven names. All right. So he could, too. I think Lou Glenn, or sorry, Andreas Athanasiu could be moved for a decent amount if Eisenman negotiates well. I truly believe that. I think there's a lot of teams that would add a 30-goal score to their roster for a playoff run. We'll take anything. Yeah, I, w- I would take anything for him. All right, another name that's kind of always come up around trade deadline is, is Luke Glendening. Again, not going to get a big return, but at a $1.8 million cap hit for this year and next. A team that wants to improve down the middle. You know, situationally, he's a very good shutdown center. You can t- like he, uh, he, he played against uh, Pasternak and Bergeron against uh, Boston just the other day and shut him down completely. Very well. Very good defensive center. They beat Boston, didn't they? They yeah. beat Boston. Yeah, it was awesome. It's like hang a banner. It's so yeah. good, yeah. <laughs> Playoff of, yeah, it sounds Lions-esque. Yeah, it did. Um, 2020. But, like, he, he's the type of player that all Stanley Cup champions have and need. So if somebody's missing that piece, they should trade for Luke Glendening. Look, you're not going to get a good return, but it's something more. Continue to bring it in. Another name, Jonathan Bernier. Like, it, it, it's kind of a stretch because there's not a hot market for goalies. But as soon as there's an injury, there might be uh, room for him. He's he's playing the best hockey of his career. So, if a team needs a backup to get them from now to the playoffs and rest their starter, or you know relieve their starter that gets injured, all of that stuff, it's a possibility. Um, holy smokes, we have a lot here. Well, I have a lot here, I should say. You said two. You're on like four? Yeah. So that, that was it. That was it. Those oh. are all of the names that I wanted to bring up. Um, I just wanted to kind of bring up, you know, the teams that are buying to to a certain extent. Like, I, I don't want to list them all because you never really know. It, we're still like a little over – we're actually just over a week. Two, just over – just under two weeks – removed from the deadline. So there's a lot that can happen in the NHL. Um, But, you know, teams that are comfortable can get very uncomfortable quickly with an injury or two. Um, The Oilers, for example, are tied for second, third, and fourth in their division. Say that again? So so I don't get it. The Oilers are tied for second, third, and fourth. So it's a three way tie. Oh, oh gotcha. Okay. Is basically where I where I was I going. Thought, and I thought you were saying like only the Oilers were tied. <laughs> I like no, that too. exclusively <laughs> tied for second, <laughs> like, third, and fourth. They hold those <laughs> but, three <yeah>. positions. <laughs> but they're also, you know, just one point one ahead of the coyotes who are in fifth. So basically they're one injury away from being Compromised in a lot of ways, and guess what? Yeah. They yeah. just lost their captain, Connor McDavid, who's the best player in the NHL. They just lost him for two to three weeks. Oh, so you wow. look at like something like that, a team that's been missing the playoffs over the last couple of years that has the best player in the NHL, one or two, yeah. depends on who you talk to. Um, look, they they just lost him. Two weeks can be make or break for for their type of yeah, situation. Yeah. So. Now all of a sudden, are they buyers? Are they going to buy an Athanasiu that can fit in their 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 philosophy? Just to keep that them can afloat. keep them afloat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And look, I'm not saying Athanasiu can fill the shoes of a Connor McDavid. Like that is the farthest thing that I'm ever going to say. But can he be part of a solution to help it? 
Well, in comparing this to the NBA, which is probably where you're going with this, the NBA had no. I was done with the NBA, oh, so well, I well, was not going. Well, anywhere. I'm just saying the NBA had. <laughs> no, the NBA had <laughs> he's in hockey time now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What is the NBA? I'm so confused. No, I, I get what you're going. I was trying Go to come up it. with no, uh, yeah, the answer you're to good. that. But, but they had no buy. The NBA has no buyers. Yeah, they had all sellers because there's only exclusive club at the top that can actually win a championship. Correct. Exactly. Complete opposite for the NHL. Yeah. So 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 what I brought up earlier was. Uh, I think it was 11. 11 teams had less than 100 to 1 odds. Is that correct? I don't have the sheet in front of me anymore. I'll, I'll check. Yes, 11 teams with better than 100 to 1 odds. The NHL has 21 teams with better than 100 to 1 odds. Two-thirds. So, so in my head, it's like you look at this. So I'm not saying, look, the Chicago Blackhawks at 80 to 1 not, aren't necessarily buyers, but they're also not sellers either. Yeah, so you have like this yeah. this group where where the Red Wings are really one of seven teams that are in one hundred percent sell mode. That's the way I look at it. It's not necessarily about who's buying; it's about who's selling, and that window is very small in the NHL. Yeah, it, right. Well, Sorry, I see. I, I, I see your point. What I'm trying to say is like, well done, Kyle. You're probably well either one, you're yes. probably you're probably either one or the other. Usually, so. Like, no, 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 no. So the NBA, you're one or the other yes. because you have no chance if you're an in between. Right. But the point with the NHL is if you're the eighth seed, the seventh seed, you can go on a run. All you have to do is get a goaltender that gets on a hot streak. Exactly. And then you can do something. You can do some damage in the playoffs. No, yeah. It, and that, that's kind of where. And look, Vegas odds aren't necessarily the gospel, obviously. But it, it, it paints a picture to a certain extent. And when you have 21 teams in that 100 to 1 odds category or less than 100 to 1 odds category, it's like, okay, you could see them making a run one way or the other. Look, Chicago Blackhawks, 80 to 1. They have the worst odds that are under 100 or under under 181. They have a goalie that's won a cup. They have, you know, Jonathan Taves. They have uh, Patrick Kane. They have the nucleus. They have Duncan Keith. They have everything that's at the top to win the Stanley Cup, but do they have the small pieces that can, you know, yeah. progress it? Look, if they added an Athens, if they added a um, uh, Trevor Daly or uh, Mike Green or something like that, would that be a way for them to go from eighty to one to thirty to one? But I think that's that- what a lot of these teams look at because it's all about getting it hot at the right time, and that's what all of these teams. I look at the hundred to one odds. I think that's a perfect like breaking point. There is like if you're under hundred one odds. You have an absolute chance. Yeah, with and with it being twenty-one teams, there's a lot fewer sellers. Exactly. So, and th- sorry, that's the and, point and, I was trying and, to drive at. If you have all these buyers, you have way less sellers too. So, it, yeah, there, so you have a it, point where some of these names you've talked about could come up and say it, it gives them a chance, right? It, right. I mean, yes. it's the difference between Andre Drummond getting zero buyers, getting nothing out of this. for it, yeah, yeah, nothing, absolutely nothing to these guys who are on the fringe, the worst of the second round. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. exactly. But these guys are that are on the fringe for the for the Red Wings actually have a chance to add some value. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I completely and 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 that's what I said is like the Wings are one of seven teams that are ten or more points out of a playoff spot. So that's all that it is. Like a hot streak can put you in a playoff spot sure. for everybody other than seven teams. When there's only seven teams competing and selling off assets, that's where the Red Wings truly need to capitalize. Look, I'm not saying 
Mike Green or Trevor Daly or any of these guys that the Red Wings have are the missing piece to a Stanley Cup championship. But do any of the other six teams have that either? I, I don't know. That, that's where I I, I'm I, not as educated with the full grasp of the NHL. As much as I'd love to be, it's just not where I succeed. It, but look, even if, they're, even if they're the one or two or like the second or third option for these teams that feel like they can buy, and you, buy cheap, but you potentially that's where you can capitalize on the teams that are at the below like forty to one odds of and, winning the Stanley Cup. And I think there's a difference when you're surrounded by a good team versus a terrible team. Yeah. Sometimes that talent can be enhanced. And like what you were saying earlier about Anthony Cu, if he is terrible on defense, sometimes those weaknesses can also be limited. Maybe not exposed as much as they are on the exactly. Red if if he's getting third line time and he's boosting that third line to be actually an offensive threat, that's very significant for. I'm just going to throw Boston Bruins out there. If you can get that secondary scoring from the third line, yeah, you sacrifice a little bit defensively, but you put your best defenseman out there with them. You can you can you cover can that. You can cover mask. That. Yeah, the Red Wings can't weaknesses. mask it, and that and that's where I and going back to Athens. He was like, man. If you find one team that looks at his upside more than his negative, and you can ex- like jump on that, that would be absolutely massive. Um, so that's enough Red Wing talk. As much as I'd love to keep going, I do have a couple more pages. I'm gonna rip them up for another time. We'll just save them for next, uh, next year's trade yeah. deadline. Trade deadline is <laughs> February 24th. All the notes. Um, <laughs> and, and basically to break it down, I I I think the Wings are simply they're they're not going to get quality at this deadline. They're not going to get a high-end prospect. They're not going to get high-end draft pick ne- I picks we, necessarily. I thought we were done with Hockey Talk. Yeah, no, I'm, just, I'm wrapping it up. This is, oh, this is called a wrap-up. this is wrap-up. This is called a wrap-up. Okay. They're not going to get quality. <laughs> They're going to get quantity, and it is Eisenman's job to turn that quantity into quality moving forward. This is the first step. Create the draft picks, get them all, then turn it into something. That That's is quality. my goal with Eisenman. I thought that Summary that wrap up was quality. That was a quality. I could have just ended it with that and yeah. a quantity wrap up. I could have just saved everybody twenty minutes by just saying. So that. we had the quantity, <laughs> but at the very end we got to the quality. There was some and quality was- there. <laughs> All right, so we had a lot of quantity of beers. What do we think of the quantity of the beers? Oh, it is time. That's money to grade our beers of the week. But before I do. I want to again remind everyone to stop into the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe for your game days, date nights, business lunches, or your night out with friends. The Hops gets a high grade from us on Taco Tuesdays, Stein Night Wednesdays. They got Mug Club member deals throughout the week. Also, good deals for you guys. Speaking of good deals, use the code KINGKYLE for $2 off your first beer. At the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe, I will do that any night. You can. Yeah. I, I think we could use that, right? Yeah, I'm using it. For I was going to sure. ask that. Can I? Even I can use it. I love it. I think we should. We should ask Ashley if we can use it. I'm just going to go there and use it. I'm not even going to ask. The Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is the official brewery of State of My Sports, and they are sponsoring our beer grades from here on out until we pick up our picks again. Oh, if you nice. have like some buddies who are going to go down there. Just send him a little texty text. Use it. Uh, <laughs> just, say, just say, hey. Uh, did you say sexy text? Texty text. Yeah. text. <laughs> oh, texty text. Uh, yeah, the and then one. tell us, and I will we'll meet you down there for it. I'm down. Yes. But, but also, if you have buddies going, tell them to say King Kyle. 
Yeah. As the well, that's code. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Let's have yeah. a DeHops night. $2 off beers. Yeah. I mean, you can't get $2 off beers anyway. Yeah. Anywhere. It's good beer. It is good beer. Yes. Can't and I'm convinced once you have one, you're going to be like, how do I become a member? Yeah. And yeah. You might as well do a membership. I mean, we're all members, so yeah. We are the This is a... I'm just... Drunk talk, text, talking right now. <laughs> What's going on? Here? He's sexy Tec- texting. Yeah, <laughs> sexy texting and sexy text. Uh, Ryan, save me with your beer grade. Pigeon Hill Brewing Company from Muskegon. Uh, this is the salty caramel porter. Is that the name of the beer? It That's is. what you Salted, told us. That's your salted job. caramel porter. That's yes, your job. <laughs> SCP. <laughs> I thought I was reading the description. Oh, gotcha. Weird. Okay, That's your so, job. <laughs> so quantity speaking, I've had four of these things. Quality, I it actually it got better as the night went on. So right away I was a little disappointed with how it, it's not as sweet as you would expect it to be with a salted caramel. I, I, right in the title of the of the name. But I was actually I'm I'm glad they didn't go any sweeter because it was just the right amount yeah. and it, it's just kind of a hint of salted caramel in there. So I'm gonna get a pretty good grade. I'm gonna go with an eight point one. Okay. Would you guys choose caramel over peanut butter? Oh, every single. What day am of the I week. putting it on? I don't know. What do you want to put it on? Either way, for that me, was, that was weird. It's caramel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> anything yeah. away from you? <laughs> you just talk about. <laughs> Sexy text or something? Yeah, Who brought another... up the sexy text? I Not said you. Text. you. <laughs> what said it? And then I said, "What caramel or peanut butter?" He goes, "What do you want to? What do you, you want to put it on?" Well, you asked <laughs> what do you want to put it on. I feel like you well, were. I'm trying to <laughs> listen. You're not going to turn this on us, okay? <laughs> All right. And what I did there was I made it us. <laughs> yeah. You. He just, yeah. He just assumed Ryan us was too. on his Classic. side. Classic. All right. I'm in Kyle, that mood. Give us a description and a grade. Okay. Beanball. Beanball Blonde uh, from the Mitten. This is a very good beer. I wasn't sure um, how Blonde Ale would go with coffee, but it is very good. It's very smooth. This is going to be one of my higher grades. Um, 8.4. Wow. Whoa. That's, I really have to try that. That's yeah. high for you. Yeah. It's very smooth. It's very good. I really enjoy nice. it. Nice. All right. So uh, he let me try it a little Earlier in the night and uh, very good. Yeah. You let him try before me. Yeah, he was sitting right here with me. You were off. I don't know, researching <laughs> hockey or something, <laughs> or sexy texting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Texty text. <laughs> All right, I have Dankalicious from Elk Brewing Company in Cafe. It's their IPA. It's good. Not my favorite IPA, but I want to thank Clayton, our listener Clayton, for giving me this beer. Very good beer. Does Clayton want to give more beer away? I'll ask him. Well, yeah, next time I see him, I'll I'm be like, hey, like we, three or four next time. I'll say yeah, he heard a lot right. of feelings by just giving me a beer. We need four beers at least. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that from now on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a nice 7-2. Okay. It's good IPA. Yeah. I would say it's, yeah, 7-2. Yeah. <laughs> Very so. nice description. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I will be off next week, but we're going to have a couple people filling in. We're going to get it figured out. You will have an episode. You will have episode 43. I will be in Texas. Like I said, it's going to be the worst, best episode we've ever had. You're you're hyping I, it up a little high there. I'm really excited. <laughs> I will there's, talk to you in two weeks. I promise there's no <laughs> hockey talk. <laughs> yeah. 
We'll talk to you guys next week, if not sooner. PP2.